you've been with us for a little while, you know that we are, we're working through the Gospels. We're, look, we're working through the, the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus chronologically. And we started this message last year in December. And we're going week by week. And we're going day by day. Hunter, can you turn me down a little bit, please? We're going to turn off this microphone here and turn me down a little bit, if we could, please. Thank you. There is... There is something that is special about being the first. We, are, we live in a culture that seems to be fascinated by the original, to be fascinated by the first. If you look around enough, you'll find that there's an original for almost anything. And there's people that like to claim themselves as being the original. As a matter of fact, not very far from here, not far from our current location, in San Bernardino, you can drive by the original McDonald's, not far away. One of our Southern California favorites from Baldwin Park, you can drive by and go and eat and see the original In-N-Out is where that was. Chick-fil-A claims to be the home of what? It's the original chicken sandwich, right? White Castle refers to its signature its signature dish is the original slider. And, and if you do an internet search on the original, you'll find original everything all over the internet. There's, in a quick search, the original detangling ha hairbrush, if you're looking for one of those. There's an original pinball arcade. There's the original pancake house. You'll find the uh, original of almost everything. We love the original. Seems to be something that, that brings us back. This morning, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to see what Jesus says when he talks about the original. We're continuing the sermon series called Jesus Teaches About. Today, we see that Jesus teaches about the law. And we're studying the words of, of Jesus to see these first instructions that he gave to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, how they apply to them then, how they apply to us now. We're seeing that Jesus is speaking about something that predates him. It predates his time. He's talking about an original. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. We're in verse, verses 15 or 17 rather, we are in verses 17 through 20 this morning in a message that I have titled, The Importance of God's Original Law. In our culture, whenever a pastor uses the term, whenever we say the word rules in church, people kind of get uneasy a little bit, like there's, there's rules, I don't really like rules. Our, our, our culture has this misconception that we all live according to some rules but not others or maybe rules that we create but others that we know but we don't really want to follow we do live in a culture that says i'm going to follow what the new testament says because that's where jesus was i'm going to follow his words and maybe some will say well the new testament's just all surrounded by love so outside of love there are no rules we're just going to focus on love you, you simply love and you're okay and there's really no rules unless, you know, just don't hurt anyone. Many in our world will, will say that the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament are, are, which, are the only things that they're going to live by. We're only going to live by the words of Jesus. Maybe not even the, the words that are in black, only the words in red. And so they start limiting down the Bible 
to not 66 books, not even the New Testament, but only the words of Jesus. And then some will take it a step further and they will say, you know what, I'm, I'm only going to live by a life verse. I'm only going to live by a certain saying that I find in the Bible. I'm going to put all my attention here. And now this morning we recognize, it's our job to recognize, that Jesus himself recognizes rules and spiritual boundaries that we are to live by and that he's teaching his disciples to live by that were directions that were set in place much further before Jesus even walked on the earth. In fact, if you go and buy a copy of the Holy Bible anywhere, you're going to get a Bible that has about 66 books in it. And part of it, the first two-thirds, is what we refer to as our Old Testament. But yet it does get the least amount of exposure. It gets the least amount of, of reading sometimes. The entirety of the Old Testament, of our Old Testament, is what Jesus would have been talking to his disciples about. When he says, we're reading the scripture, when he says all of scripture is important, what he's talking about, the scripture he's referring to is our Old Testament. Our Old Testament was their Bible. And Jesus is putting so much emphasis on the scripture, on the Old Testament at that time. Here's the thing. In the entire ministry of Jesus, he never took that emphasis away. He never took it away. It was still in place. It was in place that he lived by, and it was in place when he sent the apostles out. This morning, we see that Jesus is teaching about the law. It's the original words of God that were given by God to Moses to help govern the, the Israelites, his chosen people. It's what you and I refer to as our Old Testament and it is still absolutely in effect today. There's absolutely life rules in here for us. We are faced with this everlasting truth that the commands from God the Father that were handed down, given to us in the Old Testament, are still vital to our existence and our experience and our influence on culture through our Christian walk. It's that important. I want you to read with me what Jesus says about the law, what he says about the Old Testament, we are in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 17. Jesus says this, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. See, Jesus didn't come to change Scripture. He came to accomplish Scripture. He didn't say, I'm here now, everything's gone. Something is new now. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes in, in church on our Sunday mornings, we have to struggle with the scripture a little bit to understand, okay, what's he really talking about here? This is one of those times that we have to look and we have to kind of decipher and, and understand what his original audience knew, what they understood. Because there's a cultural barrier here with what some of our words mean out of this scripture. It's very different from what Jesus was saying and what we are hearing but there are, there's a very important point. We're going to start out with this. Point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you're going to find some fill-in-the-blanks. And I'm going to give you those blanks. They're going to be up here on the screen, and you can write those in. And if you need a, a pen, they're back here on the back table. Point number one in your notes this morning. The original commands of God the Father that are found in the Old Testament are still essential to us today. 
We're just going to put that at the top. They are still very much essential to us today. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says he didn't come to abolish the law? What does he mean by that? Does it make any sense to us today? When we think of the law, what do we think of? When we think of the law, we think of policemen, right? We might think of sheriff's deputies, a court system, jails, prisons, uh, stop signs, traffic cones, government officials. We, we think of the people who provide the laws to direct our, our government and to, to keep us safe. Jesus is using the term the law, but it's not referring to what we think of in, as the law in our culture. So we have to kind of look and find out what exactly is he talking about for it to make sense, right? We have this cultural barrier Jesus isn't talking about legal authority. What he is talking about, his message, when he talks about the law, it's purely religious. Okay? What he's speaking here to the disciples is a religious saying when he talks about the law. That brings us to another cultural barrier. You and I, we live in a nation that has a separation of what? Church and state, right? Their culture didn't live in a land that had a separation of church and state. Now, the, the, the Israelites, they lived in their area. It was governed by the Romans. But life as a Jew was not only your faith. It was the, it was the governing body. It, was, it, it would encompass every part of your life would fall under the law. So the religious law, the, the, the temple, would have been the authorities for those who would live in and around this area. We don't have that in our day. What Jesus is talking about when he tells his disciples that he didn't come to abolish the law, we have to understand that he's talking about things that in our modern day we can't relate to because we don't live in that type of a society. But he is saying to them that even though even though your world, their world, is governed by religion, it's governed by faith out of the temple. He says, I didn't come to abolish that. I didn't come to abolish those rules that Moses set down. Because remember, they're managing, they're managing off of the scripture. It's their Bible, right? Which is our Old Testament. And Jesus says, no, I didn't come to abolish that. I actually came to fulfill that. Whenever we see in the New Testament that it refers to the law, we have to understand that the term the law is referring to, we'll, we'll use the term uh, the law of Moses. Um, Richard, can you help me at the back door for a quick moment? Thank you. Sorry, I think our door's locked when they close. They're referring to the law of Moses. He's not referring to policemen. He's not referring to the sheriff. The books of Moses, we find those in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy. They are still massively important in our days. There's a really important list in the books of Moses, one that most of us are pretty familiar with that we find in here. It's called the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments are actually ten rules. There are more than ten rules that God set down for us in the Old Testament. These actually make up a part of a list of up to 613 different rules that the Jewish nation would live by at that time that would have been considered the law. And out of these 613 rules that would permeate every aspect of life, you would find them 
you would find these rules that would direct government. They would direct festivals, religion, food, how to treat others, how to support the church. They would be in every aspect of somebody's life would be governed by these rules from the Old Testament. These rules were written and given to Moses by God himself. They were given way before even this moment when Jesus is sitting on the mountain talking to his disciples. There was not a separation of church and state in their days. Faith was religion. Faith and and the Bible and, and the scripture was all entrenched into society. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy what God has already put in place. I came to fulfill what God has put in place. Jesus didn't come to contradict the prophets out of the Old Testament. He said he came to fulfill the prophecies of the prophets out of the Old Testament. He's telling the disciples that everything that you read in the scriptures, which is our Old Testament, is absolutely true. And even better than that for us, it all points to him. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. Everything you read, it's all about Jesus. He is saying, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Jude, and Revelation, it's all about Jesus, everything. Some people think that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore because we're followers of Christ, and then people start eliminating. What happens is we eliminate that direction in our lives that God has given to us, and we say, I'm only going to live by the New Testament. I'm only going to live by the red letters that Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus had so much to say about the Old Testament. See, if we say we're only going to live by what Jesus said, then what we're saying is we're going to disregard what Jesus did. That we're going to disregard what Jesus cared about, what led him. We're going to disregard. Here's the thing. If if the only thing we do is memorize New Testament scripture, then we're never going to memorize what Jesus memorized. Because everything he memorized was in our Old Testament. That was his scripture. That's how important it is. It needs to be in our life because that's how important it was to him in his life. When people start whittling down and they say, I'm going to go by just this one verse in my life or I'm only going to focus on love one another and I'm only going to focus on maybe, maybe somebody's only going to focus my life on do not judge. You know what it does? It takes every other letter, every other word in the Bible, and it throws it all away. And it's saying, I'm not going to give as much, I'm not going to give as much authority to the rest of the Bible. Jesus did. Jesus absolutely gave authority to the law, to the Old Testaments. It's the rule book. God gave us this rule book. He gave his people a rule book for life. And these rules are found in more than just one verse. They're found in more than just one scripture, more than just in the words of Jesus. It's more than you can sum up and put on the back of a bumper sticker. It really is. It's more than you can get into a tweet. I want you to see what... But we see one or the other, Paul, and he writes this in 2 Timothy 3.16. He writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 
He says, all Scripture. That's all of it. From start to finish, it is all breathed out from God, and it is all profitable. It is all good. It all is going to bring a positive aspect to our life. Jesus himself recognized that the authority that God the Father had given to us in the life book that he gave us and was handed down through the generations to his time when he sits here on the mount talking to his disciples, he recognizes the authority in that scripture. He absolutely sees it. I want you to look at what Jesus says about the scripture and and what he and his disciples have have read and studied and are going to read and study. Come back with me to Matthew chapter 5 or in verse number 18. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least command and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Here's point number two in your notes this morning. The original commands of God the Father are unchanging until only he initiates changes. Until only he initiates changes. I want you to look at the, if we went back into the original language, and some of your King James Bibles might say this, it would say not one dot or tittle will be changed. It'll be removed. What Jesus is saying to us, he's saying that in the law of God, in the rules of God, not one comma is going to be moved, not one period is going to be moved, not one letter is going to be removed. A dots and tittles would be referred to, probably the closest thing in our modern day English would be maybe the dots on top of a lowercase i, okay? Or the dots on top of a lowercase t, or crossing of a lowercase t. That's what he's talking about. He's saying not one dot, not one punctuation mark, not one letter is going to be changed. I'm not changing it. He says not even the smallest detail is going to be uh, erased overridden, replaced, until everything is fulfilled. Then, possibly, if it is, it's not us to change it, right? It is at no point up to us to change it. He is telling us, he says, God wrote this law. You didn't write this law. It's not up to you to change this law. He says, you don't have the authority to change God's law. It was in the middle of the 1980s. Some of you are going to remember this. It was in the middle of the 1980s when one of the largest beverage manufacturers in the world decided that they needed to make a change to their number one selling product. What had happened is they were going up against another product in taste tests and they thought they have this they have this new product in the testing phase that people seem to really like, and if they put it on the market, they're going to compete against themselves. So what they did is this. And they told the public, we are no longer going to sell Coca-Cola anymore. We're taking it off the shelves, and we're going to replace it with a product called New Coke. And so they did. They took all of the Coca-Cola off the shelves, and they replaced it with a brand new formula. And people hated it. They absolutely hated it. And they hated it for a couple of reasons. One, because it was different. Two, because something was taken away that they loved. 
They loved the old formula. They did. Now they can't get it anymore. People before that switch had gone out and spent, spent money to buy up all of the Coke, the original that they could before the formula was changed. And it lasted about three months or so with this new formula that eventually was changed back and now it is relabeled as Coca-Cola Classic. That new one didn't last very long at all. See, there's people who realized that there is something precious about the original. There was absolutely something in the original. They didn't need something new. They didn't need something to be recreated for them. What they needed and what they wanted was the original. There are rules in the Old Testament that were given to us to keep us safe. There's rules that are given to us to keep us humble. Rules that are given to us to keep us in God's hand. There are not many people here that are going to argue that there is no importance anymore to the Ten Commandments. Most of us would be able to stand up and defend and say the Ten Commandments are very important for the Christian life. Amen? Amen. We'd probably be able to say that. I'm going to tell you today that there are, there are directions for our lives that go beyond the Ten Commandments to the Christian I just want to look at them really quick. We're going to put these, the Ten Commandments up here on the screen. And I want you to listen to these, okay? From Exodus 20, verse number 3. You must not have any other gods but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You must not misuse the name of your Lord, the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder you must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And you must not covet your neighbor's house. Pretty good rules for us to live by, right? Pretty good rules. You think God would give us a few more rules than that? He gave us those. Those are important. But there's a lot of direction in the Old Testament that is vitally important to our Christian walk. I would say that these Ten Commandments are absolutely important and unconditionally necessary for us as Christians. They're absolutely necessary for us to be a witness to other people, to follow these commandments. And if they're not an authoritative part of your life, it might be something to pray about. Maybe they should be, right? They probably should be. What happens when we start changing how things in our life are put in place so that God's glory can be shown or can't be shown? What happens when we start messing around with his rules that he gave us? What happens when we are the ones who willingly start erasing God's rules from our lives? We start changing his words. What happens when, when we start telling God the rules that we're going to live by and the rules that we are not going to live by, the rules that he has given us that we are not going to accept? What happens when we start changing those things in our life that were put in place for God's glory to be shown? He did that on purpose, right? I'll tell you what happens. When we start messing around with, with what God has given us, what happens is spiritual chaos. That's what it is. Some things are pure goodness and they should not be messed with. Amen? Amen. 
Some things God has given us on purpose, and we are not in a position to mess with them. It's not our job to change them. I want you to see what Jesus continues as he, as he um, continues his message here in Matthew chapter 5, or in verse number 20. He says but this, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We're going to look into that in a minute. Point number three in your notes this morning. This is so important. At no point in the Bible are we given the option to make up our own rules. At no point in the Bible are we given the option to make up our own rules. Jesus is referring in this passage to the Pharisees, who we've talked about are the religious, some of the religious leaders of their day. The Pharisees would make their righteousness shown to man in public. Isaiah, can we go back to the, to the past slide right here? I want to look at this scripture really quick again. Matthew 5, 20. Okay? He says, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the law. Everyone knows the righteousness of the Pharisees because the Pharisees would show it to anyone. What they would do is on the fasting days during the week, they would be out in the town and, and they would just mope around like, oh, look how well I'm fasting. I'm so hungry. I'm righteous because I am obeying the laws. I am obeying what God is saying. Look at me. Look how awesome and righteous I am. When they were praying, they would be out on the street corner wailing and praying so loudly. And Jesus says, you hypocrites, you, you know, don't pray and go use so many words so that men see you. And they're like, wow, look at how deep in prayer that guy is. The Pharisees found it righteous to be seen by men. Jesus is saying our righteousness is not seen by men. It's seen by God. He says, our righteousness is not seen externally. Our righteousness is seen internally. It's not where men can see. It's where God can see. He says, your righteousness needs to exceed. What, what his disciples saw of the Pharisees, he saw them. They saw them being righteous. And Jesus says, I need you to be more righteous than that. But I need you to be that righteous in your heart. That's where your righteousness lives. See, the Pharisees had taken these rules that God had given to Moses, and what they had done with them is they had extended them out. They had added to them. They had, they had put, let's give you an example. The fourth commandment, it says to keep the Sabbath holy, right? What they had done is they had added to that, and they had said, okay, well, that means that to keep it holy, it means that we can't work on the Sabbath. Well, let's define that. What is work? So they would define how far you could walk on the Sabbath. They would also define that hunting is a work. So you can't hunt on the Sabbath because that means you're getting food for your family and that's work. And so you can't do that on the Sabbath. Then it, it went even further that said, no joke, it's a rule. You couldn't, if a fly lands on your nose, you could not swat at that fly because if you kill that fly, now it is hunting and that is against the law. I didn't make up the rules. I'll tell you, God didn't make up that rule either. If, okay, so rule at the church. I think it should be up here. If a fly lands on your nose in church, you can swat it off. That's absolutely fine here. Um, but 
But so they had made up all of these rules and they said, watch how we are going to adhere to our rules that we created. God says, you don't obey the rules for men, you obey the rules for me. That's the reason that God put them there. He gave us these rules. He gave us this life book on purpose. We don't have the authority to change God's rules. We don't. It's our job simply to live by them. That's our job. We can easily use the illustration here of children and, and parents. How many parents would give their children the ability to make their own rules? You just tell the kids, you just make them up. Make your own rules as you go. Tell you what, when you go out there on the playground with all the other kids, you make up your own rules. If you make up a rule that says you can throw rocks, throw rocks. It's a rule. You made it up. Right? You can do it. As parents, we don't let the kids make up the rules. What if we gave our kids the opportunity to make their own chore list and make their own allowance? I think we've got some youth in here that would like that rule at their house, right? So let me tell you what. what, I mean, would it be fair to say kids might give themselves a $100 allowance a week and their only chore is to make their beds once a week, right? 100 bucks once a week, I make my bed, kind of. So... We don't, as parents, give our kids the ability to make their own rules. And you think, well, why? Why don't we do that? Because if they make rules, if, if, if they are the dictators of their own lives, it could put their lives in jeopardy, right? It could put them into a position where it's not safe. Here's something that doesn't happen until you're in your 30s. When you get into your 30s, sometimes we look back and we're thankful that our parents gave us rules to live by, right? Some of us have parents that we can be thankful that they, give, they gave us some rules. Just like it doesn't happen until you come to Jesus that we look back and we acknowledge that we are thankful that our Father in Heaven gave us rules to live by. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 25 It says this, For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. This is one of the instructions that Moses has given the Israelites. He's saying, this is how God is going to qualify our righteousness. He's going to qualify our righteousness by our obedience. When we're obedient to his rules, that's what he sees as righteousness. He's not looking around to see how many men are praising you for the great things that you're doing. He's not looking at that. He's looking on, how are we following his rules? How well are we doing this? Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling us, that there are governing rules for our lives. There is a book that has just life rules in it that's there to help us. And these rules that are found in the Old Testament are absolutely important for us today. They're given by the Father. They are vitally important to you and I. That there is power that is greater than you and I. And there was power before Jesus was walking on this earth. There was power that set these rules down for God's people. And he set them down for a reason. God gave us the Old Testament. He gave us this scripture because he wants to keep us safe. Because he wants to keep us in his arms. 
See, Jesus doesn't want us to show obedience to other people so we can be looked at as righteous in the eyes of men. He only wants us to have this heart that's been transformed that allows us that allows us to obey God's laws so that we can be seen as righteous in His eyes. Amen? I'm not concerned about being seen as righteous in the eyes of men. Because there's no man on this earth that died and went to the cross for me. There's only one, that's Jesus. He's the one that I want. I want him to look at me and see righteousness. I want him to look at our hearts and see righteousness. That means that our actions are in response to the rules of God, not in response to how we want to live our lives. It means that for us, we need to be God-centered, not self-centered, right? It means that our actions need to be based on a reverence for God, not an approval from man. It means to build our lives around the principles of the rules that God has laid down for us, that, that we should be just as concerned about our attitudes we should be just as concerned about what other people see in us as we are the actions that people see in us. Because, see, our, our attitudes and our actions show Jesus. Right? They show Jesus. So we're not looking to gain praise from people that look at us and say, oh, look how righteous you are. We are looking for people to see us. But more, we're looking for people to see through us. I don't want you to look at me and see me. I don't want people to look at this church and see this church. I want people to look at this church and see Jesus. Amen? Amen. See? It's not about turning people's eyes to us. It's about turning people's eyes to God. I want you to see finally what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 33. It'll be up on your screen. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you hear the song? You hear the song? For those that have heard that, that verse has a song to it, and every time I hear it, I can hear it from youth group and singing, and singing this song. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. It's not ours. That's not ours. See, there is an original. There is a universal truth. There is a complete accuracy. And there are rules to live by that have been in place since the beginning of time. And sometimes that means that we need to turn our page into the Old Testament and see what God was teaching Moses, see what God gave the prophets to say, see what God told Adam and Eve, see what God told all of the other people, see what He told Noah. There's amazing principles that we find in the original. Here's the kicker that our world is going to hate, absolutely going to hate it. We didn't create these rules. As Christians, we didn't create these rules. Our Creator created them for us. Amen? God created them for us. When we were born, every one of us comes with a life book. It's like an instruction manual for our lives. 
Sometimes we need to dust it off and get back into that, in, that instruction manual, right? We didn't make the rules. We didn't write the rules. So we can't change the rules. It's not up to us. We don't have that authority. It's not our job to make the commands of God better. It's not our job to make the commands of God less offensive in our society. It's not our job to take the commands of God and make them fit us. That's not for us to do. It is our job, though, to take the commands of God and to let them be a path to our priority and to our purity. It's our job to take the commands of God and let them be a route to righteousness. It's our job to obey. It's our job to honor. And it's our job to be thankful. To be thankful that God would even give us this direction. Imagine if God told us to be righteous, but he didn't tell us how. Imagine if God said, you know what, I want you to be righteous, but go out there and figure it out on your own. What a mess that would be. And I'm wondering if that's what some of us are actually doing. If life is a mess right now, I wonder if it's time to come back to the original life book. If it's time to dust off the owner's manual and to find out how to fix this mess that we've got ourselves into. See, Jesus tells us very authoritatively not to write off the Old Testament. He says, I don't want you looking for something new. I want you to recognize it as the original. I want you to recognize it as authoritative, and I want you to recognize it as very important. If you're here this morning and you've never spent any time in the Old Testament, if you haven't spent any time there, maybe because it has the word old in it. Or maybe because we have this idea that we live by New Testament rules only or red letter rules only or by bumper sticker rules only or by the rules of our culture only. I'm going to ask you to open it up. Let's open it up. Because there's great content that Jesus recognizes as authoritative. And he says, he says, I did not come to abolish the law. He didn't take it away. He didn't say this isn't important. He says this is absolutely important. Read it, study it, follow it. I want you to remember that Jesus taught his disciples his disciples, he's going to send these men out that are going to change the face of the world with the message of Christ. And he told these men, I want you to study this. I want you to memorize it. I want you to write it on your heart. When he told them to write scripture on their heart, that's what he was talking about because that was their scripture. It's for us to write on our heart. I bet there's more than a few of us that have a a scripture from the book of Psalms or Proverbs that's written on your heart. Maybe it's something from the book of Jeremiah that's written on your heart. If you do, I'm going to ask you to be somebody that's going to help grab a pen and write verses on somebody else's heart also. And helping, helping some others within our church recognize that, you know what, God said this too. He absolutely said this. 
And you help us remember that it's through the entirety of Scripture that we find the rules that God has laid out for us. It is all God-breathed, and it is all here for us. I ask you to rejoice in our Father in heaven that He has given us direction and that His Son, Jesus Christ, stood up and said, You are a child of God, and your Father loves you enough to lay down the rules and to lay down a path for you. She's saying, I don't want you to look at these rules as restrictions. I want you to look at these rules as safety. And I want you close to me. Just like any of us as parents have rules for our kids to keep them safe, God has rules for us too. Amen? Amen. He does. Let's pray.